0: Joshua chapter 20, verse 1, charge. Somebody got it? I'm waiting for somebody to read it there. Joshua 20, verse 1. All right, good. You get the bonus point. I don't know. <laughs> the bonus point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we did have a couple of those left over. See me after the service, uh, brother. All right. Um, okay, so it says there, the Lord also spake unto Joshua, saying, and we did go through the book of Joshua recently, um, and uh, didn't really... I, 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 I spent a little time on this, but never really developed it uh, for for speaking on. I still don't know if I have it totally developed, uh, but I did see some things that, uh, that I thought might be challenging to us as, as a church and 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 helpful for us to think about. So the Lord is, is still pe- speaking to Joshua after all these years, and that's great. And it says, uh, speak to the children of Israel. So he's, he's, he's speaking to Joshua, and he says, you know, relay, relay my message to you, uh, to the people. Um, even if they did just eat lunch and they think it's supposed to be, uh, Sunday afternoon, nap, still speak to the people, and see if there's anybody there that's willing to listen, he said, so I'm adding to that a little bit, but it says uh, uh, a point out for you cities of refuge, interesting concept, cities of refuge, so God's being purposeful to say, I want you in the new land here, as you're, as you're, as you're occupying the land, as you're setting things up, as you're, uh, you know, dividing the territory, and making occupation of it, be purposeful to make some, uh, some cities of refuge, it says there. And uh, it says, uh, whereof I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. And there's other passages, Exodus chapter 21, Numbers 35, Deuteronomy 19, to speak of these cities of refuge. And uh, it says, I spake unto you by the hand of Moses. So this is a concept that God had come up with. He would communicated to Moses, and now it's being communicated to Joshua. That the slayer that killeth any person, unawares and unwittingly, may flee thither, and they shall be your refuge from the avenger of blood. And so you had, uh, I guess you'd call it nowadays maybe a, a, a manslaughter situation. Uh, somebody, somebody had died, and uh, it was maybe debatable, at least in the eyes of, of people, as to whether you know, a crime had been committed there, whether it was purposeful or not. And so now, of course, you had, uh, you had the next of kin that are saying, you know you you killed my father prepared to die right yeah I don't know if you ever seen that uh, that movie there that was a very bad rendition of it but anyways uh, yeah so they, they, we're going to get revenge now we're going to get revenge on, on you because you killed uh, somebody from my family right and uh, and so um, they were God said make up these 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 uh, places of refuge where the person who maybe is being pursued, you know, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, can go to this, to this uh, city of refuge, all right? So let's read a little further there. There it says, and when he doth flee unto one of those cities, shall stand at the entering of the gate of the city, and shall declare his cause in the ears of the elders of that city. They shall take him into the city unto them, and give him a place that he may dwell among them. And so you have somebody who obviously is going through a rough time in their life. And somebody, even if it wasn't purposeful, had died as a result of, of their actions, right? And, 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 and so um, obviously they'd be struggling with this. Uh, they would be trying to find their way uh, through this. They would have a lot of concerns as to what was going to come from this. And if there was a trial, were they going to be uh, you know, convicted in that? and what the penalty was going to be. And so God said, look, set up these cities of refuge where someone is able to come and present their their, their case there and enter into that city and actually dwell among the people who would have understanding of of their situation. I was kind of thinking, you know, what would it be like to be other citizens of that town? You know, and ha- how did they come to be a citizen of that town? Were there any number of others that were in a similar situation? Uh, it seems as though there was pe- some people that were just, that was where they resided, right? They weren't, they weren't in trouble. They, they hadn't uh, uh, um, committed any, any of these actions. Uh, but it's just, uh, it's interesting to think about it. It says, um, and shall declare their cause and, and dwell among them. And the avenger of blood pursue after him. Now, I think in spiritual terms for us today, and we've been talking about being strong in the Lord, and we've been talking about the spiritual armor, we've been talking about, you know, the spiritual battle. We don't, we don't battle against flesh and blood. You know, I can very easily picture sort of like the avenger of blood, you know, spiritually speaking, uh, would be the devil, who would want to, you know, take our actions and our crimes and, and fully condemn us with those, with those things, you know, forever if possible, um, and uh, for us to, to, to be living with the results of our actions with no way out, um, even if this, there was a certain amount of it that we did just out of ignorance or that we did, uh, you know, not knowing the, the, the fullness of truth of God's word, and, 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 and so, you know, just spiritually speaking, I can, I can easily kind of see in, in, in my mind's eye you know, that, that uh, the devil kind of playing that role. But, anyways, and, and he is ruthless, and, and, uh, and, and he is not looking to be gracious in any way. And if the avenger of blood pursue after him, then they shall not deliver the slayer up into his hands, because he smote his neighbor unwittingly and, and hated him uh, not before uh, time. And he shall dwell in that city until the stand before the congregation, uh, before he stand before the congregation for judgment, and until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days. Then shall the slayer return and come unto his own city and unto his own house, unto the city from whence uh, he fled. Lord, I pray that you just help us now to, uh, to just glean some thoughts uh, from uh, the concept of the, uh, the, the city of refuge and uh, help us to make some application of, uh, of uh, how it may be applied and, uh, and how it may not be applied. And, so, Lord, I pray that uh, you just uh, help us now in our church to just have a vision for um, how we could be a place of, of refuge uh, from those that, uh, that need a, a respite from the, uh, from the pursuit of um, the, the evil one and the one who wants to condemn them forever. And, and uh, Lord, how uh, there may be some that just need to dwell amongst us for a while until they get some of these things sorted out and, and, and get their footing uh, spiritually. So I pray, the Lord, that you'd, you'd help us to, to, uh, to just be a visionary church in that regard. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I think uh, I, I, I for sure am, am speaking to the right uh, group here. Um, you have lingered on a Sunday afternoon. Um, we just had a service, you know, and, and I'm not saying this to, to be critical of anyone else, but it would be easy just to say, hey, look, you know, we, we had a service, we had a meal, you know, let's just go home for the rest of the day. You, you did cho- choose to be here, so obviously you're wanting a little more. Right? You want some extra innings uh, here, um, some, uh, some bonus coverage. And, and so I think probably to a large degree, and there would there, be others that, that would be amongst that uh, that, aren't, uh, you know, that aren't here for whatever reason. But you for sure, I would see as being the ones that would say, you know, we, we're, we're here because we want to team up with other Christians to make a difference, to, to uh, carry out the gospel cause. You know, and I guess we call it just to reach people, to reach people. And, you know, people, a lot of people are going through a hard time. Uh, hey, look, would I, would, I, would I like it if the first time we reached into someone's life, you know, and they, and they heard the gospel and they responded to, to, to it and seemed to maybe get saved or, or, you know, responded to whatever degree? Would I love to see him and just come and just, you know, stick here full fledged and. Be a part of a you know uh, part of the, the 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 ministry and and get involved and yeah I mean that's that's what we pray towards that's what we we desire to see and you know it doesn't always it doesn't always happen like you know just step by step with a little formula you know it's just uh, and I'm sure if we were to go around even in this group here you are faithfully committed to 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 the church here. You know, you got some probably some stories in your life of some, you know, some uh, uh, some ebb and flow, um, some uh, you know a couple steps and and then a couple steps back, and I mean just you know it's been a process, right? And probably most of us would have you know testimonies of saying there were some people that were willing to let me, as it were, dwell amongst them and let let me have a, just a respite of saying okay where do i stand with the lord right now what is going on in my life you know what do i need to do what 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 needs to happen here in order for me to get things things right um and and i, I just think that's so important as a church i think that's so important and and i think that i think it's it's important that that be communicated somehow maybe not in those terms like directly but it People can get a sense. People can get a sense. It's, it's, it's amazing how much intuition, you know, God has put within those that are made in his image. <laughs> and people get a sense whether it's, whether they're in a city of refuge or not. You know, whether they're given indication that, look, you know, hey, wherever you are in your life right now, uh, you've got problems and uh, you've probably done some things. You're probably even trying to figure out right now what's going to be the repercussions of that. But God, God can help you with that. And, and it will be a process. And, and perhaps there's going to be a penalty that needs to be paid, you know, the, whatever that is, uh, whether it's with the law or before God or whatever. Well, you know, you have a place of refuge here to go through that process and just to see, you know, what comes of it. And we'll help you in any way that we can. Dwell amongst us. Dwell amongst us. Now, when that happens, um, it's going to come down a lot to the attitude of that individual who is given that place of refuge as to what ends up happening with it, right? I mean, how many times have you seen full opportunity given to an individual where you have that, that scenario right there? I mean, it's like, you know, the city of refuge is given to them. Come and dwell amongst us. We'll help in any way we can. You know, and... Uh, and, and and it's extended to them and they come alongside them and every opportunity is given and then it seems like excuses are made and, you know, sin is, is justified and, and sin is given uh, refuge, right? And uh, we're not talking about giving sin refuge. We're, gi- we're talking about giving the sinner refuge. You see, th- this wasn't a proclamation of innocence for these people necessarily. Now, The word from them was, you know, and I need a chance here, and and the benefit of the doubt was given, but the city of refuge didn't automatically say that person's without any fault or totally innocent. It was was a situation where, look, you come in here and we'll help you go through that process to, to get this right. Right? And the church setting, that would be primarily before the Lord and maybe reconciliation with some others as well. To get them... To give them some, so a refuge, as it were, and a little bit of a firewall from the bloodthirsty one, right? From the one that's ever vindictive. And do you know that the, the, the devil, I mean, the devil, he looks at it as that's God's family right there, you know? Um, look, in the sense that, that God made everybody with, with the capacity to have a relationship with Him. And so the devil looks at every individual as one that has the capacity of having a relationship with God, and he hates them because of that family connection, and he's bloodthirsty against them. You see what I'm saying? And I I believe to a large degree, Jesus made the church, you know, to be a place of respite and refuge for those individuals that God's pursuing. He's hot on their heels. He wants to take them out. And maybe we on the verge of being, you know, a tipping point on that. And God graciously, you know, brings them to, to a point of just getting some truth and getting some light and getting some help um, with that. And look, you know, I mean, a lot of these Old Testament uh, situations, the way God th- set up, you know, they, we use them for illustrations today. And I know they're probably not meant to stand on all four legs, but, you know, I just saw some pictures out here that I thought would be, be helpful for us to, to, to think about. Now, um, Again, it's not meant as as a refuge for for sin. Let's let's go back to to Genesis. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. Because here's a great illustration of one, really, that was given given every opportunity. And it's almost like uh, he said, you know, I'm going to... Instead of graciously accepting God's place of refuge, I'm going to set up my own place of refuge i'm gonna i'm gonna justify myself i'm gonna try to i'm gonna try to you know uh, make my own way of overcoming this and almost like i've committed the crime but i want my cake and eat it too and i just want everybody to know you know it's always like the world versus me you ever seen this mentality before and like no matter what happens it's always like the world versus that person and it's always happened to me because everybody's out to get me you know, it's never like the choices of that individual. It's like, it's always all of society like conspiring against them somehow. I mean, it's just amazing how for some people that's the, that's the way their whole life uh, seems to be defined because they allow it to be, to be defined that way. Like, okay, you're the only person that ever has bad things happen to them, I guess. And, and, uh, and you're the only person that's ever wronged by others. And everybody just for some reason... I mean, they just look at you. I guess they don't like what you look like or something. And they just, are, and the whole world's after you. Is that really a story? <laughs> um, but, you know, that's, that's, the devil loves that sort of approach. Oh, you know, it's, it's a, you don't know my circumstances, and everybody's doing me wrong, and nobody's, you know, you know. And that's just like a hedge of thorns all the time. You know, it's like there's no escaping that. The, 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 the longer a person goes into that, the, 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 the thicker the thorns and the brush becomes, the undergrowth, to the, to the point where they almost like just become neutralized and incapacitated in life, you know, from being spiritually effective at all. And, uh, and that's the way it, it, it seemed to be for Cain. I mean, look at this here. Uh, ex, sorry, uh, Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter four, verse four. Charge. Oh, good. Yeah. So the Lord, so the Lord respected Abel's offering, but he didn't respect mine. I mean, I worked, I worked just as hard, as, if not harder, than Abel. And God said His offering is fine, but, but He, He didn't like mine. You know that that was that was Cain. Now, Cain Cain knew what God wanted. Cain knew just as much as Abel. But Cain decided to do it his own way, but then he didn't want the consequences. He he wanted to do it his own way, but then he wanted God to say, oh, that's that's fine. That's just as well. You know, that'll work too. Right? Um, And... uh, It says, but unto Cain, verse 5, and his offering, he had no respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. What does that tell you right there? He had a bad, he had a bad attitude. That's what that tells you right there. I mean, it sounds like a bad attitude, doesn't it? His countenance fell. He was angry. Instead of saying, okay, Lord, you know, what did I do wrong so I can get it right? What do I have to do to get this right now? He was like, oh, man, I'm just being picked on, right? Um, and the Lord said to Cain, "Why art thou wroth? And why is that count as The Lord said, to "Cain, I can tell you have, not having the right attitude right now." Now look at verse seven. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? What do you think? I'm just I'm playing favorites, you know, like because it came from Abel, it's fine. And Because it came from you, I just got it against you. You know, it's like it's like when I, when I, when I'm roughing basketball sometimes and. Uh, you know, I'm at two schools out there. I don't, I don't care who wins. I don't, I don't. You know, I never, I don't know anybody on the team. And uh, you know, it's it's five fouls to zero. You know why it's five fouls to zero? Because one team's hacking and the other one isn't. But the coach wants to stand there on the sideline and go four zero. Next foul, yep, yeah, five zero. And you know what they're really saying? What they're really saying is. The ref is favoring the other team. Like the ref, for some reason, likes their uniforms better, I guess, or thinks that they have more cheerful countenances or, you know, um, I don't know, likes their, their, their mascot. Uh, where, where really, all it is, they should be asking themselves, what are we doing now in our style of play that's <laughs> making it so that the fouls are 5-0? Okay? And, uh, and so God says here, hey, look, Cain. If you would just do what was right, I'd accept your offering just as much as Abel's. That's what he's saying. And, uh, and so it says uh, here, and Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So he, he let a, a bad attitude become an anger problem, become an anger problem. You know how, you know all this anger management that they talk about now, nowadays? You know what would take care of a lot of that? Is a person humbling themselves and taking personal responsibility for their actions. You know, I take a lot, care of a lot of anger issues. But anger comes from the individual that constantly says, everything conspires against me and uh, everything is, you know, it's making me make these decisions and the world is just out to get me. And so now, you know, Cain is saying, uh, he's taking it out on, on Abel, and he, and he kills Abel. All right? And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel thy brother? Now, when God asks a man a question, God's never wondering. God is trying to make a point with that person. Hey, uh, Cain, where, where's your brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? So you see more attitude here, right? More attitude. He's, look, God's given him a chance there. There's another point right there. Another point right there. If Cain had said, God, I did a terrible thing. When God asked him that question, if Cain had come back with the right humble answer, I think that would have been another point where God, God could have worked with him. But Cain, you know, Cain, where's your brother? Oh, God, I did a terrible thing. I was angry against you. I was angry against the situation. I, I killed my brother. Oh, God, I did a terrible thing. Oh, God, what do I have to do to get this right with you? It would have been a totally different scenario from that point on. It doesn't mean they wouldn't then take the consequences for it. It doesn't mean it would not have been a hard point to, you know, move on from. But it would have been a different story. God was gracious. He's still pursuing him here. Oh, huh, what am I, my brother's keeper? Well, evidently not. You, you killed him. And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Don't you know? think I know? And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thine hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall be henceforth yield unto uh, thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be an, on the earth. And this just shows us here, you know, that the way of justifying sin is a hard road. It is a hard road. You know, when we're talking about a city, a city of refuge, we're not talking about justifying sin. We're not talking about giving refuge to, to sin in an individual's life. You know, we would not encourage somebody to give refuge to sin in their life because it'll destroy them just like it destroyed Cain. I remember uh, um, our first house that we bought in, uh, in, in Virginia. Um, when we bought the house, it had, it had a lot of, the house had a lot of issues, but one of the issues that it had, it didn't have a back door. Like the back door was just missing. Like the house was open to the elements. Um, and there was other issues as well. So one of the first things we did is we put a door on there, uh, obviously. And we started doing other, we got the renovations set to the point. We still weren't able to totally cl- uh, close on the place, but th- we, were, we were allowed to move in and start living there. And uh, <laughs> the first night that we were in that place, we heard like strange noises in the other part. Now we were in a little bit of a sketchy neighborhood anyways. Uh, that's what we could afford at that time, and uh, it was outside of Washington, D.C., so, yeah, you know. Uh, remember, their, their first basketball team was called the Bullets, okay? There was a reason for that. But anyways, um, so we were, and, and like once in a while, there'd be these helicopters that would fly over our house, and like the, the you know, those spotlights would go right, right and, and like, you know, 11 o'clock at night, these spotlights right in your backyard, it's like, like, what are they looking for in my backyard, you know? Like, who's running around out there that they're looking for with a helicopter? But anyway, so we, we, uh, we had had one window that just had a piece of cardboard covering, and that's it. We had to put a window in. So from that part of the house, we started hearing, like, this thumping and some moving around. And I thought somebody was in the house. I mean, that's what it sounded like. So I, I said, Tammy. And uh, no, I think she said, I think she said, Mark, Mark. And I'm like, you know. Uh, go back to sleep. <laughs> uh, Mark, I think something's out there. So, I, of course, I had to admit I, I heard it, too. Now, you know, I'm not going to send my wife out there, obviously, so I knew if we both heard it, I had to go. The only thing I had is a, is a curtain rod. So we had, to, we had to put up all the curtains. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, all right, I grabbed this curtain rod. I'm going to go out there and see what it is. So I go out there real quiet. I could still, there was something in there. There's no question about it. I mean, at that point, it was, no, it was either a person or something. We didn't have any pets at that time. So I'm walking around, and I, get, and I just creep up on it really discreetly, and I'm about ready to try to make a noise and get the upper hand, and guess what I see? Besides a person, maybe the worst-case scenario, a skunk's tail. Evidently, and that thing ran, and I saw where it ran. It ran right behind the furnace and right into a part of the wall where, the, where our tub was. Now, somebody else told a story similar to this recently. I thought, that same thing happened to us. It's unbelievable. So... This skunk was living in our house. And we had a door on there now. How do you get a skunk out of your house? You get giddy, giddy, giddy. And I was like, uh, I don't know. It's like, you know, buy a dog and stick him in there. Uh, I don't, we, we weren't sure. So I, I went into the room. David said, what was it? I said, you're not going to believe this. It's a skunk living in our house. <laughs> she loved to hear that. So we came up with a plan. Uh, the next day, we went and we ate a rotisserie chicken. And we left uh, quite a bit of the meat on the rotisserie chicken. And there was, uh, there was the pantry and the, house, the, the door from the pantry into the main part of the house and the door from the pantry to the outside, a little patio there. So the pantry had the, the, uh, the tub. That's where it was, really. It was in the pantry area. It, it, it wasn't in the main part of the house. So what we decided to do is open the door to, the, uh, to that patio from the pantry and put that rotisserie chicken out there. And just wait so we waited and waited and waited and waited and left. finally my wife went to bed at about midnight i heard little noises sure thing pepe le pew coming out there to, <laughs> to find, to, towards that chicken he was pretty hungry at that point because we kept everything at that point you know he wasn't getting much for food and so he's going out there he's going after that chicken so i waited and waited and, it, and just when it started to eat it my wife wasn't up yet i ran over to try to shut that door. And just as soon as I got up, it ran back in. It ran back in, and I couldn't get it. So I called Tammy, I said, we almost had it. It was actually out there, and it ran back in. It was like, oh, man, oh, let's wait again. So this time, she waited with me. So we waited and waited, and finally it came out. And what we figured out, though, is that well, my wife was going to uh, make it so that she, when it started to come back in, she was going to shut the door real quick but what we figured out was in the meantime the danger was that it would run back into the main part of our house because the only way she could get to it is if that part of the house that door, door was open you understand what i'm saying she had to open that door in order to shut that one and uh and, and so it, it got to the point where it came out and sure enough when we made our move it started to run back in but this my wife was the hero that day all right she had a she had a broom and when that thing came in Boom! She just launched that skunk, man. Launched it right through the air. There was no way that woman was letting a skunk come in the house. <laughs> it didn't spray. I, I guess when they're airborne, they can't spray or something. They have to get their high legs down. <laughs> I don't know. You can picture the thing flying through the air, like doing its uh, squirt there. But um, So, anyways, it, it, it kind of tumbled on the ground and ran off, and my wife shut the door, and we were like, whoa. I don't think we slept the rest of that night, man. That was adrenaline right there. But you know what, my wife determined? She was not going to give refuge to that stinking skunk. There was no way. If it had been out to me, I would have blown it. You know, the thing would have ended up in our bedroom, right? But not my wife, man. Because I would have been over there trying to juggle with the doors and the thing would have ran through there, you know. My wife, she was ready, cool as a cucumber. Boom! Just launched that sucker. That was gone. But, you uh, know, nah. and that's kind of, look, that's the way it has to be with our lives. If you look at it, you have to make sure that there's no refuge for a skunk in your life, right? Don't give recourse to that. And, and so, you know, with a personal life, and we have to encourage people to say, look, deal with your sin. It's the best thing for you. You know, God wants you to have victory. God has made a way for victory. God has given you a place of refuge for you to look at his word and, and make, and make uh, decisions of obedience to grow, to get those things out of your life, and uh, to, to, to clean it up. So it's something that, that you know, God can use in an honorable fashion as a testimony to him. And, and so what did, what did Cain do? Well, he didn't do that. Uh, he was given every opportunity to. And in verse, uh, uh, in verse 13, look what Cain says. And Cain said unto the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. what should he have said to the lord at that point you know what lord that's what i deserve you're right i've just been a dud i've made excuses i killed my brother that's the least i deserve And so he said no man that that you're too harsh god that's more than i can bear i can't believe this is happening to me it's so unfair right um and uh, behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I uh, uh, be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth, and it shall come to pass that every one that findeth me shall slay me. Woe is me! My life is over. And the Lord said, Look how gracious the Lord is. The Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord, look at this, set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. He's still protecting Cain, in a sense. Still making it so Cain can have a chance to get his life right. I mean, you see how many steps the Lord takes to be gracious here? You know? And uh, I I think of this a lot of times with dealing with, with, with people. I wish every time it would just be like the first opportunity. You know, repentance, brokenness obedience, you know, steps of growth. And sometimes it does happen that way. Praise the Lord if it does. But look, you know, when we're representing God, God, God is gracious. And God goes the extra mile. And God loves to give people a place of, you know, you put a mark on them and say, I'm going to give prolong your opportunity here to, to perhaps um, get things right. Well, look what it says here. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. See that there. See that there. Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. He basically came to a point where he's like, I don't care. You know, I don't even want anything to do with God anymore. And this is where he goes, and he's just going to make his own refuge, as it was. It says, dwelt in the land of Nod in the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife. She conceived the bear Enoch, uh, which uh, interestingly means experience. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. And unto Enoch was uh, born um, uh, and, and so on. It goes down through there, uh, from there. But, uh, you know, he, he left the presence of the Lord. He built his own city and uh, sought to, to make a name for himself, find his own refuge. But if you go back to the book of Joshua, let's just end there. Let's go back uh, again to Joshua chapter 20. It's it's a beautiful thing when we realize that God gives us a place of refuge, and He gives us an opportunity within that place of refuge to get right with Him and to go through a process of getting our life back on track. And and, and, uh, And that's what I see in this picture here. And... It's interesting, it says there in verse 6, And he shall dwell in that city until he stand before the congregation for the judgment, and until the death of the high priest that shall be in those days, then shall the slayer return and come into his own city. When the high priest died, then he was totally set free, as it were. Uh, Full reconciliation was given at that point. And what is Jesus called? Well, he's called our high priest, isn't he? And when is a person truly set free? When the person realizes what Jesus did for them. When a person recognizes Jesus as their high priest. There is one God and one mediator, right? The priest between us and and God the Father. Um, You know, we don't look to any man for that. We just find that fully in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Jesus gave his life uh, for us. And so what, when we give a city, when we give a place of refuge to people, what are, we, what are we really trying to do? We're trying to lead them to find their sufficiency in Jesus, their high priest. We're trying to lead them to be set free of just trying to build their own refuge all the time, like Cain did, excuse after excuse after excuse, building his own city, going out from the presence of God ultimately. And it is a grievous thing. Look, when you work with people and, and they come to the point where they say, I'm deciding right now that I'm just going to go out from the presence of God. Can you force them not to do that? You can't force them not to do that. It's a grievous thing. It hurts. You might even be tempted to say, I wasted time investing in that. But look, there was was people that dwelt there and said, come in and dwell among us. And I'm sure that not every single one of those ended up being success stories. I'm sure that not every single person that came to the city of refuge was was a quote-unquote success story. But yet, the opportunity was given. And God says, set those places up as an opportunity for those that um, may stand condemned as having broken God's law. You know, the, the bloodthirsty ones are after them. But here, may sinners find a place of refuge that says, hey, would you come? Would you, would you look at what the Bible says about these things and would you turn to Jesus and be set free? Get things right. Find your sufficiency in him. Yield to him. Surrender to him. If Cain had done that early on, his life would have been so much different. You know, He, could, he had an opportunity to do that before he got a you know, bad attitude, before his brother even died. He could have grown up with a godly brother. could have been brother, uh, godly, a godly brother himself. They could have done things together for the Lord. They could have built great memories. Instead, instead, it seems like we leave off uh, with Cain pretty much his whole life was just characterized by him trying to make refuge for himself and uh, not, not, not turning to God's uh, refuge. Um, so we're just, we're like, you know, the church is an instrument in that whole picture. And, uh, um, when you see people come in, you know, pray for them. Learn who they are. Hear, hear a little bit about where they're coming from. You know, maybe, maybe in a relationship they'll open up and share more with you. Um, but just make it a place of refuge for them, a safe place, a place where they're not going to be, uh, you know, they're not going to feel like they don't stand a chance because we're so righteous here. Um, and uh, because somewhere along the line, You know, God used somebody to give us some refuge, didn't he, and to lead us to the Lord. Uh, So that may not have been a great development of this this passage, but that's what the Lord kind of challenged me in it. And uh, I hope it helped us as a church family uh, as well. Let's pray.